0: hey everyone welcome back we're back with another episode of nick and manny's infinite podcast i'm one of your hosts emmanuel fuentes and with me is our co-host uh, that's
1: me that's nick reeves
0: yeah nick welcome back how are you how's how's your week been
1: I'm doing all right. It's been quite a week, a lot of work, doing something really fun that we'll talk about later. Uh, Yeah, just been super busy, haven't had as much downtime as I'm used to, so I'm a little tired. My voice is kind of shot. I hope that doesn't come through too badly. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited to do this again. We had a great first episode, or zero episode last week, I should say.
0: Yes, last week was episode zero, as we're calling it. It was our test episode to see how everything was going to go. And we just want to say thank you guys so much for listening. It blew our expectations out of the water. want to say thanks to everyone who shared it, who liked it, who just sent us a message saying, hey, I listened to it. That really did mean a lot. And we want to announce that we are now available on pretty much every major platform where you can listen to your podcast. So we are now on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a whole bunch of others the easiest way to find us is probably going to go through our anchor feed and from there you can click onto whichever podcast feed you would like more and you can just subscribe there and you'll get all of our episodes each week when we release them.
1: Yeah, it's been an amazing response from everybody. I think, like like you said, it blew us both out of the water. Um, just sharing it on social media, sharing it in the Discord that we're in, everyone was super positive, the messages were really nice. Um, Yeah, it was just, it was a lot of fun to do the first episode. I don't know, I guess we can talk about this a little bit. We planned it to be episode zero. Did you actually plan to actually release that? Because that wasn't my intention at first.
0: I did indeed plan to release that. Because it was our test episode to see how everything was going to be, see how it was sound, and it's good feedback to get from people.
1: Yeah, no, I just thought it was a test recording at first, so I thought we'd just like, make sure the audio sounded good, make sure our microphones were okay, all that kind of thing, and then we'd actually do another episode, but it just went so well that we published it.
0: It, it went really well. We did publish it. We got responses about the uh, the fast food, French fries. Oh, we yeah, had we did. a lot of people saying that we were crazy for uh, putting Shake Shack. It wasn't Shake Shack, but we did get responses <laughs> saying that some of our fries were in
1: whack orders. Uh-huh, which we expected.
0: Yeah, of course, the French fries. They're all going to be subjective, but most people did agree that Burger King was the worst.
1: Yeah, that was that was the universal thing, at least among the people I talked to, was that Burger King was, was pretty garbage.
0: Pretty garbage indeed. So, Nick. Yeah. What you been watching this week?
1: Oh, I've actually watched a ton of stuff this week. I'm going to do the basic film student thing. I'm going to pull up my letterboxd real quick, see if there's anything I'm, I'm missing here uh there's one big one we'll get into in a minute uh or... the,
0: the big release of the week yes yep, we will we'll get... indeed get into that because we have some opinions
1: mm-hmm. we'll get into that in just a second i'll just run through what i've watched in the last week if that's okay we don't have to talk about any of these at length but just going to keep everyone up to date uh last week i watched leon the professional for the first time i watched the sixth sense for the first time i watched do the right thing for the first time and i watched the insider for the first time and then you are... i watched the big release.
0: The big release, yeah. So, so let's break it down. Let's start with Sixth Sense, mm-hmm. M. Night's movie. We know that you saw Old, and you actually liked it. I did like Old. Part.
1: Yeah, I get why people don't like Old, but I liked it for the most part.
0: That's good. So, what did you think of Sixth Sense? I, I mis- have you been spoiled for the movie?
1: Yeah, it's kind of hard not to be. I told someone that I'm someone who's been into movies for most of my life. I'm 23 years old. It's kind of on me at this point that I hadn't seen the Sixth Sense and that it was just inevitable that I was gonna learn that at some point, which I did. And I think watching the movie for that lens is almost like watching any mystery movie for a second time. Is that you know what you're looking for and you're trying to pick up on all the hints along the way. And there's a lot of hints along the way in the Sixth Sense about what the ultimate end twist ends up being.
0: Yeah, we're not we're not gonna spoil it here, in case anyone hasn't seen Sixth Sense. But uh, outside of the twist, what do you think of the movie?
1: I really dug it. I thought it was probably one of the best Bruce Willis performances ever. I haven't seen the other movies he's done with Shyamalan, but I get the feeling that other than maybe the first couple diehards, it's probably the best work that any director's been able to get out of him, because he's kind of phoned it in most of his career since then. Um, I really liked Haley, Haley Joel Osment in it. I didn't realize he got an Oscar nomination for it. He got a Best Supporting Actor nom. Uh, I was really emotionally invested in that, and I think his character paid off really well.
0: I, I i tend to agree with you except for you said that it was willis's best performance i i think kevin smith got a better performance out of him and cop out uh that's my <laughs> per-
1: <laughs> that's the one kevin smith movie i've seen and i was not particularly enamored with it i had no Ugh. idea i had no idea who he was at the time in fairness
0: cop out is uh it's not good it was a very troubled shoot and willis was not the easiest to comply with and th- those two have a very interesting relationship with each other. Uh, I know you're not the hugest fan of Smith, but I tend to think you don't hate him uh, in general. You're just not a big fan of his work.
1: I, I've only seen Cop Out, so I guess by that, by that logic, I'm not a big fan of his work. Uh, I, I don't really have strong feelings about him at this point, just because I haven't seen much from him. I know him more as like a pundit now than as a filmmaker.
0: Yeah. So there's uh, he told an interesting story a couple months ago about uh, the last time he's talked to Bruce Willis was, you know, years ago. And then he got a call from him the other day being like, hey, you in town? And him being like, yeah, why? What's up? He's like, all right, uh, can I come over? And he's like, yeah, sure. And they had this really weird conversation with each other. And then he never heard from Bruce Willis again.
1: (laughs) That sounds like Bruce Willis to me.
0: Yeah, Just, just the bits
1: just... and pieces I've heard about him.
0: Yeah. Nothing but respect for the guy, but, like, you know, get out of your own head sometimes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, What else did I watch? I mentioned a bunch there. Uh, you said it... that you
0: had watched Do the Right Thing, Spike Lee's, yeah. Spike Lee's acclaimed film.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen, I've only seen a couple Spike Lee movies. I've only seen, I think, before this, his last two. I saw Black Klansman, uh, and I saw uh, Defy Bloods last year. I really like both of those, and other than that, Spike Lee was kind of a uh, a blind spot for me, but I had the Blu-ray that a friend gave me. Yeah, I watched I watched it, uh, I think, Friday night, uh, just popped the Blu-ray in. It's a great-looking Blu-ray, and I really dug the movie for the most part. It feels a lot like a play, which I, I don't know what I was expecting the movie to be, but it really feels a lot like a play, with how characters kind of come in and out. They're pretty isolated. I think they're only on, like, a couple blocks in their neighborhood, uh, stuff like that, and I thought it was really good for the most part and it was pretty fun for a little while and then some of that some of those tensions started bubbling over more and more and then at the end it becomes deadly serious and it's really harrowing how that movie ends.
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a classic film. I mean yeah. Spike Lee, love him or hate him, you know, his films always have a purpose and a message. And that's mm-hmm. something that I can always appreciate about his films. Whereas some they're just made, you know, to be made, which I mean if you're gonna make a movie do you but i'm glad that spike lee always has been advocating for the things that he believes in in his films very strongly
1: yeah same for me i didn't i think i knew he was in the movie i didn't know he's pretty much the protagonist it's a big ensemble movie but i'd say he's the closest thing the movie has to a protagonist and for the most part i think his performance really works and i i i don't know i'm sure he's probably puts himself in a lot of his stuff at least in small roles i don't know but i Um, was i was impressed in recent
0: years he in recent years, he hasn't put himself yeah.
1: in a whole lot of the films. Yeah, he wasn't in um, the the two that I saw.
0: Yeah, he wasn't in the last two, which were The Five Bloods and Black Clansman, which are great films <laughs> Yeah, that both great. should go watch. And I think you saw one more. I, I think uh, you saw one more movie last
1: Two time. more. Uh, two. Leon, Leon the Professional, that was the first one I mentioned. I watched that for the first time. I thought it was really strong. I was impressed by Natalie Portman. I figured she'd be good, but she... Along with Haley Joel Osment, those are both, I think, kind of classic child actor performances at this point. And she really delivered. I Gary Oldman is on another plane of existence in that movie. He's hamming it up to the nth degree, and I think that really works. And it's really, really charming, the relationship that, I think I don't know how you pronounce his name, John Reno is how I'm going to say his name, the main character, Leon. The relationship he has with Nellie Portman is really heartwarming, and I think it pays off really well in the end, too. And the last movie that I saw, well, next to last, we'll talk about the big one in just a second.
0: Yeah, we'll uh, talk about the big one, because I also saw some things this week.
1: You did, yeah. Uh, so the last one I saw, for all you Michael Manheads heads out there, and I know there's at least one in our Discord, who I, the only person I ever talk about Michael Mann stuff with, uh, I saw The Insider from 1999, and that movie was incredible. It might be my favorite Russell Crowe performance that I've seen. I've got a couple blind spots with him, but I really, I Really dug that movie. I love Michael Mann's style, and that's one of the quickest two-and-a-half-hour movies that I've ever seen. It just flew by. Okay, so let's move on to the big one, unless there's anything else you saw last week.
0: I saw... I rewatched Jungle Cruise, (laughs) because I was was with some friends and stuff, but I I had it on in the background, so I wasn't really paying attention. Well, you did Um, say on the last episode
1: that it was the ultimate background movie.
0: Yeah, it's background noise, the movie. Mm-hmm. Um and then, uh, moving on to TV, I watched Ted Lasso.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, for those of you who are, are unaware, Ted Lasso it's a show starring Jacan Jake and It's a it's a show Jake Jake and It's a show starring Jason Sudekis. Um he is a football coach from the Americas, and he goes over to England to teach soccer. And there are some antics that occur, but it's generally about spreading positivity. Mm-hmm. And this week's episode, what a what a great episode. It dealt with a lot of good things with sponsorships and branding and how you as a person represent not only yourself, but where you come from. And I think that's a great episode. And it was really cool for team bonding uh, for some of the things that happen in there. So it's a great show. It's so good. Everyone should watch it. I know it's on apple tv plus which is not great but when season two ends spend the five dollars for the month and rewatch all of ted lasso because it's that good
1: well what you just said about when season two ends spend the five dollars that's exactly what i'm gonna do uh i had a free year of apple tv that expired on august 1st of this year so just i guess 10 days ago from when we we're recording uh and i didn't want to renew it until season two ended which i assume is going to be sometime in September. Uh, so I'm gonna watch season two all over again. I watched season one a few months ago. I think in a 24-hour period, I don't usually binge things, but that's an extremely bingeable show. And I was impressed by how much I liked it, to be honest, because I, I'd seen so many people raving about it, and it got to the point where I don't know if I would say it was overhyped, but it was just, I don't know. I wasn't. It sold had on that it, I
0: guess. aura with it of being, yeah, this could potentially not be good, and I don't want to be that person to hate on it.
1: There is a certain energy around it from from certain people that I reminds me of like some of the NBC comedies back in their day, and I don't yeah. I didn't always love the vibes with those, uh, but I like Ted Lasso I really dig Jason Sudeikis in it, uh, I think all the other side characters mostly mostly work. There's there's some little things that I don't remember liking too much about it, but yeah the the message of positivity always comes through. I I would highly recommend watching the show as well. I'm gonna watch season two when it ends, which I assume is next month sometime. Um, and you shouted out the specific episode from this week. Do you want to say the actual episode number? So if people want to go back and watch it. This is it.
0: season two, episode three.
1: Okay. So we're only on episode three right now.
0: Yeah. We're only on episode three of 12. So oh, next it's big, week, it's next season? month. Yeah. It's 12 episodes. this season. Nice. Okay. So it looks like you'll be watching it closer to October, October. November.
1: Yep. Okay. Yeah. Which is fine. I don't, I don't mind waiting because I'll watch it all in one day or maybe over two days since it's a couple episodes longer.
0: Yeah. And now, we come to the big one. Yeah, the big release of the week, WB's *The Suicide Squad* from director James Gunn. It's his return since *Guardians of the Galaxy* Volume Two.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He has produced a couple things. He produced uh, what was that movie where they're all in the building and they're trying to not kill each other? Uh, the oh, Something Project. Oh, oh, oh! Hotel Something? No, 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 no. It was uh the something project. Let's see. I don't know. Yeah, look that up. Hey Jamie, can you go look that up? <laughs> um Belco Experiment. So That's Belko it. Experiment was before Guardians 2. I think he wrote that. He wrote yeah, he wrote Belco Experiment. Okay. Uh he wrote and directed Guardians 2. Mm-hmm. So this is his first film since then. It's and been four since, years. It's been four years since Guardians 2. Wow. And this is his return. I I'll I'll start with the positive because we have two different opinions. I really enjoyed this movie. I think I still enjoy Guardians 1 and 2 a bit more, but this is a very solid film. I think everyone that's saying the middle portion dragged a little bit. I agree with them. I think there's one sequence with Harley Quinn in specific that you could cut out and you probably won't lose a whole lot. Um This is definitely James Gunn, most James Gunn film with comic books, I would say. Because if you know him, he comes from horror. So you have things like Slither and Super that he did, which are a lot more horror. But the last couple of films that that he's done has been uh, comic book films. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this is the most that he's been able to combine the two. And I actually think it's edited more like an Edgar Wright film than something like a James Gunn film. I thought a lot of the titles, the title sequences, and some of the fast editing was very much an Edgar Wright kind of feel. So I liked that personally. And Nick, I know you have a different opinion about the movie.
1: Not as totally different as we've been kind of joking about the last couple days. I thought the movie was fine. I gave it i think three out of five stars on letterboxd i i'm i went positive with it because my impressions are generally positive i think i just didn't love it to that extra degree that most people seem to uh i wasn't sure if i wanted to see it for a while i i heard the reviews ended up being good so i was gonna watch it anyway but i do remember like a couple months ago when they when that ad campaign was starting it felt like they were trying too hard i guess for lack of a better expression because those posters and those trailers that said things like, from the beautifully horrific mind of James Gunn, or whatever they said, it felt like they were trying too hard to paint him in a certain light, I guess, and I knew it wouldn't be as fucked up as as they were probably making it out to be. And for the most part, I don't think this movie really was. It had some gore. It had, I think, one, one or two moments of nudity, like brief nudity, I think, but it's not an incredibly fucked up movie. It's, it's an R-rated movie, for sure, just because of how much happens in it, but... I don't think it's anything too special.
0: When you say too special, do you mean like it didn't push the boundaries of anything? Is that what you're saying?
1: I guess compared to how they tried to hype it up as being, it felt like it felt like sort of how Deadpool was kind of hyped up, I guess, in that it's this big R-rated comic book movie, and they want you to know that it's an R-rated comic book movie and that they're going to go farther than most comic book movies go because most of them are PG-13. It felt like they were really trying to sell it as that, and I don't think the movie necessarily lived up to that. I think that was a bit, at least for me, a bit of an unfair position to put the movie in.
0: I would say I could I could understand that position of you feeling like it didn't do enough to, I guess, push the hard R. Um, but for me personally, I really liked the way that it was just it was just mean in a lot of ways. Like, the first 15 minutes or so, it was just, like, you didn't have to do them all like that,
1: (laughs) you know? (laughs) Uh, Do we want to go into spoilers at all?
0: I wouldn't say let's go into spoilers right now. If we end up having to talk about it again next week, we will. Um, But I think I really liked, I really, really liked the first 30, 40 minutes of the movie. I think it was very well written, uh, those first 40 minutes or so, I thought a lot of the humor was really well done. Um, I think once they start to get into the main plot, some of the things start to break and the pacing gets a little bit off. But I really enjoyed the characters. I really enjoyed the way that they said not to get attached because they did that very well with characters. And I really liked the third act. The third act brought an amazing villain that I knew was in the movie, but just to see the way that they actually incorporated it felt really, it made more sense compared to the first Suicide Squad movie
1: for sure. because
0: they, they came up with workarounds to how to defeat the third act villain. That was much more clever than in the first film. Mm
1: -hmm. And I will say, you said this was well-written and I think in a conventional sense, I agree. Even if some stuff didn't always work for me, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't love the humor. Uh, I don't love a lot of the humor. I like Guardian, the Guardians movie humor a bit more. There, are, but there are moments like in Guardians 2, that Taser face joke gets drawn out too much. I think, and it starts to grate on me. There were jokes like this in that in Suicide Squad. Uh, there's one. I assume you're there's, talking about Milton. Yeah, there's one joke toward the end with Milton that I think is fine the first time, and then they drag it out a couple times after that. That I'm not a fan of. We won't go any uh, into any more specifics than that. Yeah. But I do think it's well written in the sense that most of the characters are the ones that the movie takes time with. They all have arcs and places that they're going to be at the end of their arc at whenever they they bow out of the movie. So the major characters, they all have moments at the end. Uh, other than other than one, I guess, and I, I guess if I want to segue a little bit without any specifics, I think Harley Quinn's kind of superfluous to this movie. That's kind of my big problem. I understand her ne- her necessity to be to be there as a selling point because she's, I think, the one popular character that came from the first Suicide Squad movie, which is why they gave her Birds of Prey. But I don't think the plot of the movie would be much different if she wasn't there. I think you could easily work around her. I would agree with that. I, I think I like Margot Robbie
0: as Harley. I, I do, too. think she does a, a really good job. I'm on record of not being the biggest fan of Birds of Prey because I felt like that movie was trying too hard to mm-hmm. show, oh, we're different, we're quirky, and all this stuff. But there are things that I like from Birds of Prey that carry into this movie that I would have liked to seen more because I like in Birds of Prey, for instance, they show that she is still she still has that training of of a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And they utilize that a lot in Birds of Prey to break down the characters and their states in life. And I really like that. And they do something with that in this film that I feel was just out of place, but I think could have been rewritten to attribute to relate to someone like polka dot man i think if she had done uh some of the stuff that she did in birds of prey with polka dot man or some of the other characters in this film to sort of be that not to explain everything to us but to break it down for them to be like well you're like this because of this and that you're like this because of american exceptionalism you're like this and that because such and such i feel like her role would have been more but i agree that she didn't really add a whole lot to the film
1: yeah i think other um, than being that selling point if we're going to rewrite the movie on the air here uh, we'll just go in a little detail i think you could even do something as simple as like a little scene with amanda Waller where she doesn't like harley quinn but she's like but she feels that harley can keep the team together she can work with them psychologically i know idris elba has an arc of being the leader of the team but I think Harley can be, like, that glue that holds the team together because she knows how to push everyone's buttons for good or for bad. I think that would have been an interesting angle to take. That would work and off they, her, past, her past as her life before she was Harley Quinn. And they do incorporate
0: that a little bit when with... Uh, I don't think this is a spoiler, but uh, Harley gets taken and they have to go get her back. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's that little part where she says, like, oh, you guys came back for me? And I think, like, that... going to what you're saying that sort of adds to that that harley is uh she is important to the team in one way or another i just wish that they would have sort of defined it clearer instead of just being like oh she's pretty
1: yeah yeah that (laughs) was that sequence that you're talking about where she gets taken i that that's where i felt the movie started dragging i think and it didn't pick back up until the third act i do like the third act a lot um i had some issues with the first act it did drag a little in the middle Uh, but it picked up toward the end. I liked, I liked where most of the characters ended up. There is one character that I, he gets, he gets his payoff and then they immediately undercut it. And I, I really didn't like that. I know you mentioned it's a really mean movie, but I think that moment I didn't really enjoy.
0: Yeah. Um, one more thing before we, uh, before we move on to what you've been playing. Um, your man, John Cena, the invisible man. What'd you think (laughs) about him?
1: Uh, I think this is the right kind of role for him. I haven't seen him in something like Trainwreck, which I heard he was good and he was funny in. Uh, I have seen him in Bumblebee, which I thought he was pretty bad, but I think that was also kind of the writing of that character that was that, that failed him, other than that one line where he says they're literally Decepticons. Uh, I, I, think, I think that movie kind of fails him, but that, that kind of role, and I think he carries that over into Suicide Squad, I think that's the kind of role for him, because his role in wrestling, which I watched for all these years, was... Was that he was super patriotic. He was like the prototypical good guy. Like his, his first name as a wrestler was literally the prototype. And I feel like for that certain archetype of character. He fits that role physically. And I think he can be so stoic that he fits that role. uh, Sort of emotionally as well. And I think his role as Peacemaker was, was kind of that. They get into a little bit more depth with him at the end. Uh, And I, I'm sure they'll explore that more in his HBO Max show. Which I may or may not watch. I'm not sure yet. Uh, but I, I liked what they did with him. I think he did pretty well for the most part. And I guess we'll see more of him soon.
0: Yeah, I I really like John Cena in this movie. I don't think I've seen him in many out el- and much else. I know that I saw him in Bumblebee. Ironically, I saw him in the Fred movies because <laughs> those were a thing that had John Cena in them. Yeah. Um, F9, I did not see. I just remember it, that he was in Because they're bad, they're bad movies. Okay, and I stand by that.
1: You can, um, you can, you can stand by that. I'm not going to fight you too hard over that. I know what those movies are. Yeah, exactly.
0: You know what they are, and I okay. know what they are, and they and, work for you, but they yeah. don't work for me.
1: Yeah, it happens. And his character in F9 even is kind of that same stoic character. They give him a little bit to work with in, fr- in terms of his backstory, but he's pretty basic. Like he can fit that archetype really well, and I think I worry he's going to get typecast in that. I think he does have more range than he's been able to show. But I think that role works well for him.
0: Yeah, I really liked him in this role. There's one line where he says, he's like, I don't care how many men, children, and women I need to kill to keep the peace, something like that. Yeah, that was a trailer Yeah, and then they bring it up later in the film to sort of talk about American exceptionalism or just like country exceptionalism, really, Mm -hmm. because all countries go through the same thing. And I really like that they sort of touched on that and with this over exaggerated character of peacemaker and it's just really it was funny i really liked his character i like the way that he was just always so serious but when it came between him and e- and aegis elba they were just so competitive with each other that jungle scene yeah that first scene with the two of them it, i was dying it was so good i like the it, joke
1: at the very end of that scene too the,
0: the joke i was just thinking about that too oh uh they had a lot of Chekhov's guns in this movie. Yep. Uh, at the beginning, you had something uh, for Harley, and then you also had something between Peacemaker and Idris Elba's character Bloodsport that I really liked that they incorporated. And each, I felt like each line of dialogue for the most part was important.
1: Yeah, I would say that at least in terms of the Chekhov, the Chekhov's guns that you're talking about, the
0: one Chekhov's between gun.
1: there's the- there's one Chekhov's
0: gun that gets mentioned and i don't think a lot of people sort of expected it but after credits stay for the after credits because i was like there's there's no way right like like he's gotta be and then they did and i was like okay i thought so
1: i don't know exactly what you mean since we're tiptoeing i'm not sure exactly what you're talking about we'll talk about that off air yeah okay yeah i thought most of those checkoffs guns they paid off really well at the end which like when i say this is conventionally good writing that's the kind of stuff i mean he knows what he's doing in the sense that he knows how to set characters up and he knows how to pay them off at the end even if sometimes they, they get undercut with a joke along the way they generally end up where they should be and i do appreciate that aspect of this movie i think it ends really strong especially for those those main characters
0: yeah i think like this is a good script to analyze and show hey this is how you can incorporate an ensemble where each person gets their time and is important and each one of the characters have a meaningful arc throughout the film because each one of them for the most part had an important arc each of the main ones they had an important arc one of the like polka dot man a lot of people were clowning on him at the beginning of all of this stuff but polka dot man was a really cool character. I liked I what they so did with him. Yeah, I, I, love... I liked his visuals a lot. Everything that they did with him, there's a scene in a club that that simple camera movement, uh, mm. it's it looks so good.
1: Yeah, the the thing they do, the perspective, when they show things from his perspective, I liked it when they did it in the club. That was another thing I don't think I needed to see a second time when it happened again later in the movie. Uh, I didn't find it particularly funny. I don't know if you're supposed to find it funny because it's kind of a fucked up backstory that he has. But I don't feel like we need to see it again at the end.
0: I'll agree. I, I didn't really find it funny the first time. I was like, "Oh, okay." And then the second time, I was like, "Oh, okay." But it made sense for his character. It does. I would say it, even if it's not funny, it meant something to him, and yeah, I it, like that.
1: Yeah, it's it's not it's not a major like it's not a major uh, disappointment for me or anything. It's just something I didn't necessarily love. Yeah.
0: So I'm gonna I'm probably gonna give it an eight. 8.5-ish, somewhere in that range. I really enjoyed it. I think I still like the Guardians films more. I think they are more close to gun, I would say. He said that this one was, like, his most personal film, but I still think the Guardians films are closer to that, I would say.
1: I, I would agree. Hey, Nick. Yeah, buddy.
0: What you been playing?
1: Oh, what have I been playing? Uh, The main thing I've been playing this last week, I think, has been Skyward Sword HD for the Switch. Uh, we'll talk about Zelda more in-depth in a future episode. We've got plans for that. Um, but this is my first time playing through Skyward Sword. I'm playing through some of the 3D Zeldas for the first time. I played Ocarina of Time on the 3DS, uh, last month, and I finished it a couple weeks ago. And I really dug that game for the most part. Skyward Sword, I think I'm about 10-11 hours in right now. Uh, and I'm- I'm- I'm liking it. It's- I don't know. It feels really basic. Like, my prob- my- it's funny, because my problem my problem with older Zelda games is that a lot of times they're really cryptic in their design, and sometimes it's not clear where to go. Skyward Sword is a bit too hand-holdy, I think. I think the perfect balance is somewhere in between. But because it's hand-holdy, I feel like I'm progressing through it quicker, and I'm having more fun in the process just because I can power through. And I don't have to stop forever to figure out one silly little puzzle that's going to drive me crazy. In that sense, I, I dig Skyward Sword a lot. I like the aesthetic more than I thought I would, because I saw bits of gameplay from the old Wii version, and I never thought it looked that good. It doesn't even seem like they cleaned up the visuals that much, but it looks really nice for the most part. Uh, the Joy-Cons work pretty well. Uh, the gyro can get a little annoying. That's how I play with, because you originally played with the Wii Wiimote and the Nunchuck on the Wii. Uh, so I play with the two Joy-Cons, and I use the gyro for the, the pointer and the aiming and all that. And it mostly works. Uh, you have to recalibrate a lot. And some enemies can be kind of stupid to fight because of that. But I'm having a lot of fun with it so far. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: No, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Zelda, but that yeah. comes from someone who has never played a Zelda. <laughs> but everything I see from them just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, and if I've they're, not your, thing, they're a lot not your of thing, they're not your thing. They don't seem to be my thing. I have the hottest take on breath of the wild which Mm -hmm. we are planning to go more in depth on with some other people eventually that's going to be a main Um,
1: topic for us one week
0: that is going to be a main topic it's probably going to be an extravaganza um but uh i'm glad that you're having fun with it because i just want people to have fun with games in general even if they aren't for me
1: it's nice to want people to have fun with stuff isn't it it is like Like, even if i
0: make fun of you for not you know liking suicide squad or something like that i don't care in the grand scheme of things it's a movie
1: no we we just banter and we were i was debating with people in the discord that were in a little earlier and i was kind of making fun of them but i think they all know it's all in good fun for me i'm glad people i mean yeah you
0: had the whole running gag about you being in love with avatar james cameron's avatar we got it in again (laughs) every week (laughs) We did get it in again
1: yeah, uh, we did. We, with the, the Wanger show on YouTube, we did a, we watched along a long commentary with them a couple weeks ago for Avatar, which I pretty much single handedly spearheaded. We can talk about this a little bit since, what, was it April or May of this year? I think it was when we first talked about it. Maybe a little earlier. It
0: might have been earlier.
1: Yeah, I think it was when our, oh, our Pokemon bot was taking over, around that time.
0: Yeah, but, so somewhere in April. April 8th, uh, so. No, it was March i would say like late march early april is when it started because okay. i was still editing stuff for school okay so that had to have been late march early april
1: okay regardless it's been several months that we've been that this we've had this running joke and most people that i talked to at least in the discord that we're in and uh in the youtube chats and stuff not too enamored with avatar but i kept the bit alive for so long that we finally just did it and it was a lot of fun
0: it was fun it was fun for everyone
1: yeah. For Especially everyone, definitely. Me. Not just for me. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, no, but like like
0: yes. There's
1: something else I've been playing.
0: What have you been playing?
1: Something we mentioned last week. I played, I think, an hour or two of Pokemon Unite. You played it. I did. What'd you think? It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I'll accept that. <laughs> um I like that it's I like that we talked about last week, it's more involved, at least the gameplay, because Pokemon's always turn-based. I like that it's it's a bit more involved. It's, I guess, real-time, you could say. Uh, You're going around battling. I think the the moves, maybe it's just because I'm so low-level and everything, it feels really basic, what you can do. It just feels kind of button-mashy, uh, at least the, the interactions with the enemy Pokemon. I do like that it's kind of like, what would you say the scoring is? It's like basketball. But you can it's like, like basketball, yeah. You can like accumulate points by taking out other Pokemon and taking out uh, some AI Pokemon on the field, and then you can score them. And you just want to outscore the enemy team by the end. I like that kind of gameplay, and I think it like those matches are pretty quick and they're all they're pretty fun for the most part. Even though I think the overall core gameplay is pretty limited, it's 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 totally fine. I don't see myself playing it too much more. Uh, but for what it is, I think it I think it's pretty good. Um, Yeah,
0: it's a free-to-play baby's first MOBA, so it is mm going to be limited in that sense. It's my my first MOBA, I think. Yeah, it's like my second or third MOBA that I've played, but first one that I got really into. But yeah, it's a simple simple game.
1: Yeah, super simple, super basic. And from what I hear, I haven't looked at uh, the stuff you can buy, but I hear those microtransactions are super predatory for the most part.
0: Microtransactions in general in are general, predatory. Yeah. So yeah. I've heard they're I pretty think...
1: bad in that game in particular, but I, didn't, I haven't looked into exactly what they are and why they're any worse than any other microtransactions.
0: I don't think they're worse than any microtransactions. I think the main hoopla is that it's a Pokemon Nintendo game and they're putting it in there. But I'll be honest, I think they're hard to find. I don't think the menus are the easiest to navigate, so yep. I don't think a lot of people in general are going to be using microtransactions
1: yeah they weren't front and center for me or anything like i think i've i think the only place i actually saw them was when you were picking the costume for your pokemon you can just do the regular look or you can put a little costume on them yeah that's where you can buy them with that in-game currency but otherwise i haven't really seen what what the microtransactions are
0: yeah no i agree with you
1: it's, it's fine, like I said. It would have been funny if we just stopped. I said it's fine, and, and then we just moved on. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, so, I'm going to turn it on you now. What have you been playing, buddy?
0: Let's see. I played some more Splatoon. Splatoon oh, yeah. 2 as Nintendo Splatoon Switch. 2. Great game. Uh, yep. Played some of the campaign. Fun missions. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, there's a lot of focus on the multiplayer of the game. But I really like the campaign because they're just simple seven, eight minute levels, and then you're in and out.
1: Yeah, I, I don't find those campaigns to be particularly memorable. I played both of them. I played Splatoon the first one on the Wii U uh, a few years ago. They're yeah, they're nothing special, but they're fun, especially if you're trying to get the, get the hang of the game. It gets you to use all the different weapons, which I like. Uh, just pretty well designed, pretty pretty easy, pretty fun. Just kind of a nice little time waster, I guess. It's nothing. Like, you you buy that game for the multiplayer, like, 100%. But it's a decent little inclusion. I never played the, uh, what was it, the Octo expansion? The, the campaign expansion yeah, that came out a Octo couple years ago? Yeah, Octo something expansion. Yeah, it seems more story-based, and I personally couldn't care less about the story of more Platoon. That's just not something I care about. I've thought about trying it if it's on sale, but I don't know if I like the campaigns that much.
0: Yeah. Um. On top of that... I played a lot of board games this week, which we'll get into for the main topic, but I did Mm -hmm. play a lot of board games. And then lastly, I've been playing Splitgate. So this is a game that came out at least, at least three years ago, probably more, but I know the last time I played it was three years ago. And it's gotten a resurgence in the last month or so because of some streamer that ended up playing it and everyone wanted to try it. So do you know what Splitgate is? I've never even heard of it. So, Splitgate is Halo and Portal mixed together.
1: Okay, I'm listening. So,
0: it's an arena shooter where you, you know, pick up guns, you have snipers and shoddies, blah, blah, blah. But there are panels along the walls and stuff that you can shoot portals into and teleport to. So, you're playing Halo, but you can play Portal at the same time. It's about positioning, see where you can get the drop on someone, see the make sure that they can't get the drop on you, so on and so forth. It's really interesting, really fun. I've liked it, and it's just really cool because in the last five years, we haven't had a Halo game. But that's changing this year. Six years, actually. Infinite. Six years? Was Halo 5? Halo 5 was 2015, so we're
1: getting Infinite. Fingers crossed, we get it in a couple months. They still don't have a release date for Infinite. I
0: think we get it in a couple months. I
1: think we get it in November, yeah.
0: Given the way that the technical flight went, for Mm -hmm. the most part, pretty flawlessly. I think we get it in a couple months.
1: We did mention last week that we were going to talk about Halo this week, uh, because we're so jam packed and we've got our main topics to get to. Probably going to push that back to next week because I want to. I love Halo so much I want to delve into it more. So I think we might make that our main topic for next week. Yeah. Uh,
0: stay tuned for our thoughts on Halo next.
1: There you week. go. Thoughts on Halo next week. I Thoughts promise. on Halo next week. <laughs> okay. Um, so back back to Splitgate. Uh, I have a question about it then. Yeah. Uh, how'd you play Was it with a PC? it's on pc it's on
0: xbox it's on playstation you can play it on all of them okay but i was playing it on pc and i just rather than using the q and e to shoot my portals i just have two thumb buttons on my mouse so i was just controlling them through there and it felt really nice to to use
1: okay um do you know as of right now is it on game pass it's free to play oh okay i guess i should have asked that that was another thing i I should have asked uh yeah yeah if it's free to play then i might check that out Uh, i guess we could play on the next box sometime if you wanted exactly
0: uh yeah it's free to play i didn't really see too many i didn't see any pay to win microtransactions. i know that they do have randomized loot boxes that you can get skins and wraps for your guns for but i don't care in the grand scheme for all that stuff i never really have
1: yeah i think usually at least at least for me with free to play games usually like I I'm no I'm not the kind of person that's going to pay for in-game stuff like that, so it doesn't really affect my opinion of anything. But I do agree that practice as a whole is pretty predatory.
0: Yeah. Um, there are a couple things. like I think I bought one battle pass for Apex because I really love Apex and I'm sad I haven't been able to play the new season yet. But I am planning to play some Apex with some friends later on this week.
1: But, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of I tried Apex a couple times. I think the gameplay is good, but it never never really captured me.
0: It's not Titanfall three, and I want Titanfall three.
1: Ugh, I want Titanfall three so bad. Titanfall two was the best like three dollars I've ever spent on a game.
0: Titanfall two is worth every dollar that everyone spent. All right, now this is just gonna become a Titanfall two segment. Titanfall two <laughs> is one of the best shooters I've played in the last ten years, at least. I think the it's Doom in titanfall 2 that i would say are the best shooters i've played in the last 10 years
1: yeah i i played doom i wasn't as i like doom i wasn't as big a fan as most people were titanfall 2 though i would say to me that's easily the best fps campaign of the last generation
0: yeah i think what they do over at respawn in general whether it's titanfall jedi fallen order or apex i think they just nail all the mechanics that they're trying to achieve Titanfall 1 was rougher because they didn't have a campaign, they didn't have some of these other things that Titanfall 2 does, but they had that course so well in Titanfall 1, and in Titanfall 2 it is just perfected to a T. The momentum that you can get. I've seen people do that opening speed test uh, in the campaign in like 8 seconds. They'll throw a grenade behind them and start going, and it is insane what you can do in that game. The guns all feel really good and each one has a viable place that you can use them. I just think Titanfall 2 is incredible. On top of the campaign being really cool, introducing a lot of things that ended up being in Ratchet & Clank with apart. and at the time, everyone was like, oh, you know, blah, 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 but now that it's in Ratchet & Clank, everyone is clamoring to it, and I know that they're different, because in Ratchet & Clank, you're generating an entire world, whereas in Titanfall 2, you're generating uh hallways and stuff but still the fact that it was in that game years ago it's just incredible
1: yeah i you mentioned that opening speed test i can't remember what it's called for the life of me i wish i could pull the name of that but it's like lo- your
0: it's like your endurance test that you yeah, do yeah. in call of duty to mm-hmm. set your difficulty it's it's one of those
1: yeah but anyway I probably, at least a couple days in college, I probably spent, like, two or three hours a night trying to, trying to master that course as best as I could. I think I got it in, like, the low 20 seconds area. That was the best that I was able to get.
0: I think that's about where I got it, too. I, I, it was closer to, like, mid-20s, but somewhere in that range was about as best as I could do. Yeah. Now, Nick, what have you been up to this week? I, I know you have a big topic that you want to get to.
1: I think, because you and I can mutually discuss this topic to such a great degree, I think we should yes. we should talk about what you've been up to first. All we right. Can, we can end the show with what I've been up to.
0: Yes, because that topic I do want to get to. Oh, yeah. Because it is a very interesting topic. It's a big meaty boy. It's a big meaty boy. <laughs> um, I went to Vegas this week. You did, yeah. Yeah, Thursday through Sunday, I was in Vegas. It was me, my mom, and my dad. We went to go visit some friends and to, and to do some other things. I had been to Vegas once five years ago, five or six years ago. Um, but at the time I was there for robotics. So I didn't get to see a lot. We did do Circus Circus, but at the time I was not impressed with Vegas. I just thought it was really dirty. I still think that it's dirty. Like you can <laughs> see the dust clouds surrounding it as you sure. drive in. Um. But this time, because I was there for leisure, it was a lot better. It was, we got to walk around through the Strip and go through all the hotels and stuff. We saw Caesars, we saw Bellagio, we saw all these other things. And it was actually really nice. I could see why people enjoy going to Vegas.
1: Yeah, I've never been, uh, I haven't done that much traveling. I've gone to Colorado a bunch, but never gone any further west than that. I, most people I know, it seems like, have been to Vegas at least once in their life. It's a place I really wanted to go. I would have loved to go there because in a couple weeks from when we're recording this, WWE is in Vegas for their big SummerSlam show, and that seems like it's going to be bigger than what WrestleMania was. I would have loved to turn a Vegas trip into that. Uh, not in the cards, but hopefully next year, maybe WengerCon, we might be able to do something like that in Vegas.
0: WengerCon 2022, we're going mm-hmm. to Vegas, come on. Let it make, happen, make it
1: happen, folks. Let's make it happen. So what all did you do while you were there?
0: Um, Thursday, we got there. Um, as we were driving in before we got to our friend's house that we were staying with, we drove through the strip. So we just drove down to see what we wanted to do, where we wanted to visit. And then we went to our friend's house. We chatted with them. And then we got tacos. Now, tacos in Vegas, I don't know how they are as a whole. But there is one restaurant. That is in Tijuana. It's in California. It's in San Diego. Uh, It's in Vegas. And it's called Tacos El Gordo. And these tacos are the best tacos I've ever had in my life. Oh, wow. They are so good. And even things like a quesadilla, they're just so good. And I make it a point that whenever I can, I want to get those tacos. So if you're ever in Vegas... Go get tacos el gordo. They're fantastic. Uh, there's only like four or five restaurants, but yeah, I will take them. Yeah. Then Friday we went around the strip, so we started off in the cosmopolitan and from there we walked south, I wanna say. South or north of the strip. We walked one way and we saw Caesar's Palace. Um I saw I got to go inside we saw a lot of the architecture that was in there and that was really cool. They had these ceilings that were not like projection mapped or I don't know if they were, but they were made to look like the sky. So it was <laughs> very bright blue and then um, you had clouds being superimposed on it and they had a giant fountain in the middle. And so that was really cool. Um But that was pretty much the way that we would handle the strip. We'd see a hotel, we'd go inside... We'd go through the casino and try to find some of the other stuff that was there. And then we'd end up leaving. But while we were there, I had a couple of things that I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to go to New York, New York, because I'm in love with New York, even though I've never been. It's been my dream city for a while that I've always wanted to go to. I've just always loved it. So I wanted to go see New York, New York. And as we were driving... We looked and there were a bunch of restaurants. So you had Guy Fieri's restaurant. He had Giada. You had Gordon Ramsay and his 16 different restaurants in there. But we're driving and I look to the right of me and I see uh, Buddy Valastro uh, pizza cake or something like that or whatever. And I'm like, oh, the Cake Boss has some the Cake Boss has some restaurants here. Oh. And so uh, for those of you who don't know, Buddy Valastro, he's the host of Cake Boss. TLC uh old sh- not old show but it's a show that was on for many years it is I don't think it's on anymore but he he's a chef baker from New Jersey grew up there has his dad's restaurant uh and they do a lot of baked goods and stuff so I on Friday when we went in I wanted to get a cannoli and a piece of cake and I got a cannoli and a piece of cake uh-huh. and I was I was so satisfied <laughs> that was all I needed for that trip after that I was good to do whatever i did not care
1: you transcended in that place that's what happened
0: i did it was it's it's a childhood thing of mine i grew up watching cake boss a lot so being able to actually have one of those treats and stuff and not having to drop to go all the way to new jersey hoboken new jersey it's where it's located (laughs) uh it was just really awesome so we did that then we went through new york new york there were a couple things that we saw but Honestly, wasn't too impressed with a lot of the shops there, Um, but we ended off with a roller coaster that was in New York, New York, and it takes you up and down, loop-de-loops, all around through the outside, and that was really cool. And then that was pretty much it for Vegas, and then we saw Cirque du Soleil that night. It was technically incredible. Lots of great uh, production, a lot of the acrobatics were incredible. But I'm not a big circus guy. They just weird me out. I find circuses to be a lot scarier than horror films. Like when everyone says that Hereditary is one of the scariest films of the last 10 years, I would rather watch Hereditary 10,000 times than go to a circus again. (laughs)
1: Okay. I've never been. I I don't really have an opinion on circuses. Uh, They're just not for me. I don't think they'd be... Like, particularly for me, either. Like, I've heard everyone goes to Cirque du Soleil when they go to Vegas, and, I don't know, I feel like I can find things that are much more up my alley to do there. For
0: sure. And there's a lot of other things. Usher started his residency there. Reba was there. I wanted to go see Reba. I'll go see Reba. Uh-huh. Uh, Reba starts in December, though, so we yeah. couldn't go see her. But there are lots of other things that you can do in Vegas. And, of course, the nightlife, you know, drinking and partying, that's what everyone does in Vegas.
1: You're but, a little too um, young for that. And
0: plus, like it, my family doesn't drink. It's oh, not yeah. what we do. So yeah,
1: my family we, bit... we
0: wouldn't have done it either way, really.
1: Yeah, my family and friends are a bit more adventurous than that, and I'm I'm of age now. You're you're a little bit you're a little bit shy of that. Uh, but when I go to Vegas, I definitely want to participate in at least some of the nightlife just to experience it. For sure,
0: and, and the nightlife is great there. We we walked some of the strip, and it looked really pretty at night as well. So there's nothing like wrong with that. Yeah. Um, but as I was saying earlier. I played a lot of board games because uh, the family that we were staying with, the dad, me and him, uh, he taught me at a really young age and stuff. So he was a mentor teacher figure in my life for a long time, but he's military, so he traveled a lot. So he went to Spain and California, and now he's in Vegas and stuff. But we both like board games a lot. So I played Ticket to Ride, which is a train game. I don't know if you've played it. No. Uh, so, Ticket to Ride, you have this board, and they have different train routes, and you get different cards, and you're trying to create those train routes without being blocked by other players. Okay. So,
1: like uh, it's a really sounds.
0: simple game that's easy to play.
1: Uh, sounds like it.
0: Yeah. I uh, played some Magic the Gathering, which I know very, the fundamentals of. I'm not a huge uh, Magic player. I've only played a couple games. But I won the second game that we played with a dragon deck. And I played a card that allowed me to look through my discard and pick up another card. No, it was through my deck and find another card that I can use. So I ended up picking this like huge beast that had tramples. It would just go through any of the other players. And with my swarm of dragons, I I felt like I was Daenerys from Game of Thrones. I was just (laughs) killing everybody. I ended up winning that game. So that was really fun. Uh Uh-huh. I played one called Valfurion. It is from Kickstarter. It's a Kickstarter game. And one of the things that I actually liked is that because it's for different languages and stuff, they don't have any actual text. It's all symbols on the cards. Okay. So instead of saying, like, this, break this card for this amount of points or something like that, they have symbols to indicate what you can do with the card or how many it takes to destroy it and so on and so forth. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that was really cool. And we played one more. I can't remember what it was, but we played one more. And that was just really fun. I'm a big board game guy. My family is not the hugest of board games. They'll play them because I asked them to. Mm -hmm. Um, But just getting to do that for a couple of days was really nice. And I felt, I don't want to say I felt loved. I always feel loved, (laughs) but it was just nice to do something that genuinely I enjoy.
1: Yeah, I think I think you uh, single-handedly with your mod powers, did you create the board games channel in, in our Discord?
0: I did create the board games channel, because yeah. we had a video games channel, but we didn't have a board games channel. Mm-hmm. And so we created the board games channel, and then I'm the only one that talks in it, really. But, <laughs> you, you are. But it's a great channel. Yeah,
1: no, I again, I like that the Discord board has all those channels for all those different interests. I think that's cool. And there's a lot of overlap, yeah. which is nice. Uh,
0: While we're still talking about board games, I have to mention this because I've been mentioning it for the last month. Yeah, go ahead. And please sponsor me. Magpie Games, sponsor me. Avatar The Last Airbender is arguably my favorite show of all time. It's it's up there. I genuinely think it is my favorite show of all time. But they started a Kickstarter on Tuesday of last week for a tabletop RPG that's going to be coming out in February, March of 2022. As of this recording, it is at $4.5 million, and their goal was $50,000. Wow. I am beyond excited for this. It's everything that I've wanted. I'm glad that the Avatar franchise is finally being used again after just sort of been abandoned by Nickelodeon. So I am beyond excited for that. Check it out on Kickstarter. Avatar Legends is the name of the game. Uh, You can get it for 20 bucks with the PDF and all the digital goodies that were unlocked by other people. So I I recommend that before we move on to your big topic. Um, And finishing off on Vegas, it was a great time. I got to see family friends that I haven't seen in a while and hang out with their kids. And that was really special to me because they're, they're family. To Mm -hmm. me, and so it was nice to hang out with them and hang out with their dog, because I don't have pets, so I got to hang out with their dog. A doggo? Yeah, there was a doggo. Oh my. I don't remember what her breed was, but she was incredible. She's a little small dog. You need to
1: take a picture, bro. Where were the pics?
0: Where were the pics? Sorry, man, I I didn't get pics. I'm sorry. Uh,
1: You failed the team.
0: I did indeed fail the team. But you know who didn't fail the team? Nick, in
1: Kansas City. What did you go do last week? It was actually in Bonner Springs, Kansas. Bonner which is, Springs. Which is like, it's funny, because if we were going to the venue of this thing, and we were technically still in Kansas City, because the place we were we were passing by is a place in Kansas City, Kansas, and I'm, I'm like, if this concert is in Bonner Springs, Kansas, then it this venue must literally be on the border between the two cities, and it actually was. We got a Welcome to Bonner Springs sign. As we drove into the venue, uh, I think it's called the Azura Amphitheater, a.k.a. Sandstone, and a friend and I... We saw the Foo Fighters live, and this was my very first concert that I've ever ever been to.
0: What a uh, way to go! Yeah, what, I... a, what a choice.
1: <laughs> so we should establish this dynamic before we get any further. Of the two of us, I am not the biggest Foo Fighters fan. That that no, goes to not. you. You are much bigger a fan of Foo Fighters than I am.
0: Yeah, Foo Fighters is my favorite band in the whole wide world. Uh, I love them. Listen to all their albums multiple times. Uh, Dave Grohl is a treasure he's just what a guy that's all I can really say what a guy everything that I see from him is caring and just being a genuinely good person and I've seen a lot of the documentaries um, from Foo Fighters and stuff so it's not always happy-go-lucky and stuff but they're one of the bands that I will consistently listen to um, and I'm always glad to hear new music, or anything from them, really, even if it's their side projects. Uh, Shifty, Chris Shifflett, he has his own uh, band, and he has his cooperation with, I believe, Taylor Guitars, but don't call me out on that. I believe he has a sh- he has a Stratocaster that's after him, I want to say, but again, don't call me after that. Anyways, they all have deals with other guitar companies, and it just sh- it comes out in the passion that they have behind their music, so they are... By far, my favorite band. I haven't seen them live. I did see them play Lollapalooza because that was showing on Hulu and that was awesome. But tell me about the live experience,
1: yeah. So, I guess I should talk about my Foo Fighters fandom a bit before. I've always like casually liked them. I heard a handful of all the major songs you'll think of when you think Foo Fighters, those are songs that I'd heard just on the radio or in video games, or whatever. Um, and then this year, I think probably thanks to you. I, I did a deep dive like I did with Blink-182, who Blink-182 has become my favorite band now. I did the same deep dive with Foo Fighters, just went through all their main albums. I think I went through, uh, was St. Cecilia, that side album they did. I went through all that. Uh, I went through it once. I went through some of the albums a second time. I really dig Messin' at Midnight, their most recent album in particular. I think Top to Bottom, that's one of my favorites. But I've, I became a pretty big fan. My, my buddy brought up the idea of going to see him. The tickets weren't ungodly expensive. So we went, and it was one of the best nights of my life. That's that's what I'll tell you right, right off the bat. Uh, it was uncomfortable for a little while. At the, at the start when we got there, we had to stand in line, I think, for about maybe a half hour. It wasn't too bad. Uh, super crowded. I Dave, at one point on stage, he said 18,000. I know that's what the venue holds. It's an outdoor venue, I should say. I know that's what the venue holds, and it felt like it, it couldn't have been any lower than 17,000. The amount of spaces that were available in the lawn where we receded they were really hard to find so it was pretty packed maybe a little too packed considering what's going on in the world right now yeah but, which which yeah.
0: this was before delta had come out and stuff but either way some would say it's still too early to hold these large concerts but you're saying
1: yeah it's a little iffy like my, my buddy and i we were vaccinated so like we were we were all good with going uh we got a seat in the lawn uh oh i guess i should say before we sat in the lawn There was a merchandise stand right inside on the left. And I I, I had gotten cash from an ATM because I wanted to get a t-shirt. And I got my t-shirt. It's the tour shirt with all the dates on the back. Stuff like that. And what I didn't... What I wasn't prepared for was that they had a bunch of vinyl records hanging up there that they had for sale. So they had most of the the albums, I think. They had Medicine at Midnight, which is the one that I bought. They had Concrete and Gold. They had uh, In Your Honor, I think. uh, And one other. It wasn't... It wasn't Wasting Light, I remember, and it wasn't Color and the shape, because those were two I was surprised they didn't have there. One by One? Uh, might have been. I, I don't, I don't know them as lose. well as you do. I, you'll just Foo go Foo through Fowies. all the names and I'll Sonic be like, hey, Highways. maybe.
0: <laughs> Echo, Silence, Patience, and Grace? Wait, which
1: one? I think, I'm pretty sure Sonic Highways was there. Uh, Sonic Highways I, is the
0: one that no one talks about. I yeah, like the album.
1: It's fine. There's, there's a couple good songs on there. It's not one of my favorites by any means. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I got my Medicine at Midnight vinyl from there because I'm a I'm a vinyl collector. I dusted off the record player for the first time in almost a year and a half, I guess, uh, and actually listened through that on Friday night, which was a blast. Uh, yeah, so after that, we went in, we got our seats on the lawn, uh, and it was a while before the opener, which was a band called Radkey, which is a local band to KC. They were touring with them for a few different dates. Uh, they came on stage, they were the opener, they played for about 45, 45 minutes i think and they were pretty good i've i, I don't want to get in trouble with the radkey fans out there there were two people in line right behind us that were both wearing radkey shirts but i don't know if i feel if i feel that they're any better than just a concert opener kind of band like they're good background in rock music but i don't have stronger feelings beyond that um but once once they were done there was probably i guess a, almost a half hour of stage setup i think they said that the Foo Fighters tweet that they'd be on at 8.30 where we were, and they didn't end up going on stage till 9. So I wonder, because they played for two and a half hours, they played from 9 to 11.30, which is what I heard that you should expect is that they'll be on stage longer than most, than most main bands at concerts will be. So they were on for two and a half hours once they got on stage, and I think they would have played for 3 if they'd been able to get on stage at 8.30 like they wanted to, because they had a hard out at 11.30 here. And they went through 20 songs. Now, I'm going to play a game with you now, okay? Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So I, I'm i the biggest fucking dweeb. I took notes on every song that they played and about some observations I made throughout the concert. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be really indulgent on our part. And if you don't know Foo Fighters, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have you guess. Try and guess. I'll give you 20 guesses. See how many songs you can get that they okay. played. All right? Now, I will. Yeah. I will give you two caveats at the start. There are, there are 18 actual Foo Fighters songs. They did two covers. And because you're a fan, you might know the ones that they did. But okay. if you if you want to start guessing, uh, I will tell you yes or no to the ones that you said. All
0: right, the two covers I'm going to go with Somebody to Love by Queen. Yes, that's one. And You Should Be Dancing by the Bee Gees.
1: Yep, that's the other. By the DG's okay. on on this DG's one. There's a whole there's release, a whole story release- about that.
0: Yep, they released their uh, covers album of five B G songs and then five live recordings of con- uh, not Concrete and Gold, Medicine at Midnight.
1: Yep, and they right. had a, they had a confrontation with the Westboro Baptist Church before the concert that they. Oh, it's a about, great story. That Dave talked about on stage. I think he was being very serious when he said he loves coming to Kansas City because I think that only happens when they come to Kansas City because it's I think mostly something local to Kansas. I know. Yeah. There's, a, there's, you know, pick your various hateful churches at different places in the country. But Westboro is kind of what we've got here, and that's just a recurring bit for the Poo Fighters now. It is indeed. All right, okay. so, the rest of the songs. All right, you have 18 guesses to try and get as many of these songs as you can, and go.
0: Times like these. That's one. Learn to Fly.
1: That's one, yep. Best of You. Yep.
0: Um... Um. Br. No. Um uh did they do Everlong?
1: Yeah, they ended on Everlong.
0: Okay, figured.
1: So you're four for four right Uh, now. Uh did I already say learn to fly? You did. Okay.
0: Um let's see.
1: Uh
0: they did
1: Making a Fire? No. Uh, I was interested I was interested the Medicine of Midnight songs that they actually did. Um oh Oh, I'm sorry, I should I should say there's actually seventeen. That Dave did one cover, and if it helps, I will say he did this with his daughter.
0: Oh, yes. I know what it is. I can't remember the name of the song, but I know which one you're talking about. They, yep. they did it. Um, It comes out in their documentary about uh, traveling bands and stuff,
1: but I forgot the name of it. But I know which one you're talking about. Okay, should I say the name of it? Yeah, go ahead. It's called Nausea by X. That's what it was. Yep. Okay, so uh, you're four for okay. five out of 17. Um,
0: I'm gonna go with shame, shame. Yep, you're five for six. No son of mine.
1: Uh, yes, you're six for seven. Okay. Let's see. I'm gonna say
0: they went with waiting
1: on a war. No, you are. They didn't. Okay. You're six for eight. There's only one more medicine at midnight song, I think, but they did. I'll go with the pretender. They did do the pretender, so you're seven for nine. Monkey wrench. Yep, you're eight for ten. Big story about, or a fun story about that. Um, they brought a girl from the crowd on stage, and she absolutely shredded on guitar. And Dave, just, that was the video. that yep. I
0: was seeing. I didn't click on it, but I saw. Oh, Foo Fighters fan plays on stage, and I was like, okay. So they did the mm-hmm. thing again. They did because do the thing. they they do
1: it a lot. I've heard I've heard tell that they do the thing, and I don't know. I I want to believe that he just brings a random person on stage, but I feel like they have to at least screen them beforehand to make sure they're okay at guitar. I don't know, but yeah. Okay. Um, I, I want to believe, but. Yeah. Either way, it was a cool moment, and she did great. Two so from
0: Concrete and Gold. I'm gonna go with Run in the Skies a Neighborhood.
1: Uh, just the sky as a Neighborhood. So you're they nine didn't do for. A... Run. I guess you're nine for twelve because you said two songs. I'm gonna be
0: honest. That that's pretty good for me. Yeah. So you've got six Given more. I haven't seen. Okay. Did they do Arlandria? Nope.
1: Dang uh, So you're nine for thirteen. They did. Uh... Excuse me. I think they did two songs from Wasting Light.
0: Oh god, this is embarrassing.
1: You've already gotten over half, so I think you're doing okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um. There was a couple that I didn't know by name. I had to look them up after. Like I wrote down what I thought they were called because I didn't recognize them totally.
0: I Uh, don't think they did Big Me because I don't know if they're performing that one still. No,
1: I don't. I don't even know what that song is off the top of my head. So, 9 for It's 14. the one
0: that makes fun of the Mentos commercial. Um okay.
1: You got three more guesses. See what you can oh, get. Oh,
0: dang it. Um... Three more guesses I have?
1: Yep. So, the most you can okay. get is 12 for 17, which is still pretty good.
0: Okay. Given that I didn't... I didn't even screen this, by the way. I didn't nope. look at nope. the... I didn't even right tell you.
1: Right. All I told you was that I had a game in mind. I didn't tell you what yeah. it was.
0: Oh, crap um so the only concrete and gold they did was uh sky's neighborhood neighborhood. yep okay and i'm missing one from from medicine i'm gonna go with oh medicine at midnight
1: it was medicine at midnight yep okay that was all (laughs) they did from that album i'm
0: like like, they wouldn't do cloud spotter i don't know why cloud spotter is a great song but they didn't do it no so medicine at midnight they did Okay.
1: Yep, so you're 10 for 15. They won't perform
0: anything from Sonic Highways, I know that.
1: I I don't think any of these are from Sonic Highways. I think the okay, rest so of them
0: are older. There's two more from Wasting Light, which is my favorite album.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't want to give any hints, though.
0: I'm Even- going to say Rope.
1: Yep, that was one. You're, you're okay. 11 for 16.
0: And then we'll finish off saying Bridge Burning.
1: It was walk. That was the other wasting. Walk, dang it. So you got eleven for seventeen. I will run down the whole list here, just because I'm not going to remember every single one that you named. So I, these are in order of how they started. Uh, times like these started. Yep. They did it. They did it slow. Then they picked up in the uh, toward the end. Uh, That's how they've
0: been opening every concert for this yeah. last tour.
1: I heard this was pretty standard set list that they've been going with. So they haven't gotten too experimental with what they're playing. But I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think anyone in that entire amphitheater cared. Uh, so they started with times like these. Then, w- then came Pretender. Then learn to
0: fly. With 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 a guitar what? riff from Hocus Pocus by Focus.
1: Okay, I- I'll take your word for that. Uh, if you've seen
0: Baby Driver and you remember that third act, you'll remember that guitar riff.
1: Okay, I don't. I've seen it. I remember the third act. I don't remember the guitar riff. I'm so sorry. Gotcha. Okay, so after Pretender was learned to fly, then No Son of Mine. Then the sky is a neighborhood. Then Shame Shame. Then Rope. Then Breakout. That was one you didn't get. That was oh, one break That was out. one I didn't I, I wrote down I think I think it's called Breakout with a question mark. Yeah. And then it, yeah, it, it, it was called breakout. breakout. Uh then they played My Hero, which I don't know if you actually said.
0: Did I not say My Hero? I know that I was thinking it. I thought I had already said my hero.
1: Yeah, there were a couple I couldn't remember if you'd said my hero or times like these. Uh okay. yeah, then they played that. They played These Days, which was another one these I didn't days. know.
0: I do like These Days for a I while. I thought it was called One of These song. Days. Just no, These Days the is goes. one of my favorite songs.
1: Yeah. Uh, then after that, we had Medicine at Midnight, and then we had Walk. Then we had uh, his whole Westboro story, and then we got DGs. Uh, I could hear that the the, the the music in the background as he was just talking on stage was becoming more and more funky, so I leaned over to my buddy, who I had told about DGs on the ride over, and I said, we're about to get some fucking DGs, and it was amazing. Nice. Uh, after that, we had a little bit of a break. Uh, the closest thing they took to like an intermission of any kind. Uh, it was Pat Smear's birthday that day, so they had. I a, love they, Pat Smear. Yeah, it was actually one of the singers for Radkey, the opening band. It was one of his birthdays as well, so they had a little birthday party backstage that I saw they tweeted about. Uh, they played a little video for Pat's birthday. They included a bunch of songs in there. I think there was some Queen, there was some Prince, uh, and they played a little bit of "Man Who Sold the World" the Nirvana version. Um, wow,
0: they played Nirvana. They
1: no, they just play like they, they play little snippets of the songs and in, in a in yeah. A, a they're little more video open tribute.
0: about it now because Pat and Dave were both in Nirvana, uh-huh. but they still most of the time won't play it.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, they didn't play it on stage. It was just pre-recorded in a video. But they did a little video tribute to him. Uh, then after that, they uh, I don't. This might have come before DGS. I might get the order wrong in my head. Either way, uh, then they got what's his name, Taylor Hawkins, the drummer.
0: And he sang Somebody to Love.
1: Yep, he Dave Dave went on the drums, Taylor sang Somebody to Love. That was fun. I, I blew my vocal cords out singing along to that. Because I'm not the biggest Queen fan. I like some of their songs, and Somebody to Love is definitely my favorite. I, so I sang right along with that. Uh, after that, we got All My Life, which you didn't get.
0: Oh, I'm upset about that one. I All My Life is the one that I should have said that that's the one that i was that i was thinking of
1: so all my life actually had one of the biggest crowd reactions when that guitar riff started of like any of the songs of the night even everlong didn't get a reaction that big it was kind of amazing because i was like i don't even know the song off the top of my head but everyone kind of lost their shit for for all my life when it started uh so then after that they played what they said was the first call uh, sorry the first song from their first record i just gave it away
0: this is a call.
1: Yeah, I that was one I didn't recognize. I don't. I haven't heard their first record more than once. Uh, the only song that I like listen to often from that is "Good Grief." The rest of that album, I don't know super well. Uh, so they played "This Is a Call." Then Dave brought his daughter. I think her name is Violet. Brought her up, and they sang uh, Nausea by X together. I didn't know. I assume she was like early twenties. She's fifteen. Yeah, she's young. She's just touring with him at fifteen. I guess it's his daughter, son. his second her, her daughter, just turned eight. Wow. He's a little younger than I thought he was. I thought he was, like, mid-late 50s. I think he's 52. I think he was born in 69. Anyway, uh, so after that, they did Best of You. And then they did Monkey Wrench, which they brought up the fan on stage. Then they did Everlong to close it out. They held that they held that last note on Everlong as he was saying goodnight. They probably held it for, like, two or three minutes as, as, the, uh, as the amphitheater was clearing up. And it was really cool. And that was how it ended. It was a ridiculous traffic jam trying to get out of... Uh, we were parked at the front because we were among the first people there. So we were the last people to actually get out. And all the cars in that area, they they all were blaring Foo Fighters out of their speakers. And everyone was just kind of partying in the parking lot. And we were sitting in our car. And then we left and that was the night. But it was a total blast being there. Like, that feeling, that energy, I haven't really felt before. I've never been at a concert, especially not with, because I know Foo Fighters' has a reputation for being one of the best bands to see live. Like, even if you're not a fan of them, their energy is just infectious, and I felt that really strongly there. Because, like I said, I'm not the most massive fan. I like him a lot. I like him more now, I will say. I've gone back to listen to more since that concert. But just being there, feeling the energy from everybody, like, Dave's energy on stage was infectious. He knew how to play with the crowd. That's a skill set that I don't think every singer has. Like, I'm sure most singers probably don't have as good a skill set as far as working the crowd as he has. But it was just a total blast from start to finish.
0: That's just great to hear. Yeah, I I felt
1: I felt bad that I got to go before you did. That feels unjust. Let's, it is what it is. It feels I'm unjust, that's upset. all I will say.
0: <laughs> sure. I'll take that.
1: Yeah. Uh I took some I took a couple notes cuz that's the that's the kind of loser I am. I'm sitting at a concert and I'm opening the notes app on iPhone to take some notes about what happened so I can talk about it on a podcast. Uh I, I noted that the backup singers were great. They shouted out the backup singers a couple times. I didn't know that his daughter was among them until later in the show. Uh, he was really sweaty, like, immediately. Like, by the end of time like these, he was drenched in sweat, and he w- looked like that the entire night. It was kind of amazing. I don't know how he did it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think most of these I talked about. Yeah, there was, I will say, at the end of Best of You, which isn't one of my favorites, I do like that song, but they had probably a good two to three minute extended like instrumental at the end of that song and that might have been the highlight of the whole show the instrumental that they do at the end of best of you was was incredible
0: if it's the same one that I saw for Lala then yeah it's really good I mean in general them just on stage doing anything is pretty good
1: yeah yeah that that's how I felt the whole show but that that one moment other than the fun stuff like doing queen doing DGs and and bringing the fan up on stage as far as like actual musical moment i think that was the highlight of the whole show that was where everyone was just syncing up perfectly at their best
0: i am glad that you had an amazing time at the concert hopefully i am, I am too i see them next tour that's what i'm hoping or if they add some more show dates and one of them is in phoenix hopefully i'll be able to see them because that is on my bucket list just to see them but i am yeah. glad that you had a fun time regardless because yeah, like am i said too. People enjoying stuff is what I want to see in the
1: world. I'm with you there. And I didn't know if I'd enjoy concerts. Concerts were kind of a thing that I had purposely avoided for a while because, A, there weren't that many modern modern bands or acts that I really was dying to see. Uh, my my musical taste usually skews a little bit older, and some of those bands are not good anymore or they're not touring anymore or whatever. Uh, but I finally I finally did it. I was worried it would be too loud. I get miserable when I'm in an environment that's too loud, but it was just—it was perfect. That's—that's that's all I can say.
0: Hey, that's good, ladies and gentlemen. I think that's it for this podcast.
1: I think so. I—I I thought we might have gone even longer than we did, but we got through everything.
0: Oh my God! Right now we're at a hu- we're at one hour and seventeen minutes. Halo.
1: One one seven. What one, does one, it all seven. mean? <laughs> next week, I promise. Uh, Halo talk next week. I promise. Ramon, Harley, in the air uh, discord, Harley, I know, know you were asking. Listening. Yeah, I'll do it for you, buddy. Don't worry. And I'll even play some Halo this week to to get some stuff to talk about, even though I've played them all a thousand times.
0: Yeah, uh, for preference, none of us got into the Halo Infinite uh, technical flight. No, but I'm, I'm not good enough for playing that. We will the beta when it does come out. Uh, yeah, I we sure both like not. Halo. But I think that's it for this episode. Nick, shout out where they can find you.
1: All right, so you can find me on Twitter at Reeves underscore one one seven. There we go, one one seven again. We're not at we're not at an hour eighteen yet, so it's still the one one seven minute for ten more seconds here, at least on my recording. Uh, yeah, yeah you, you can find me there. Twitter's pretty much all I use regularly. I'll make some really stupid tweets. I might have some stupid retweets. Uh, I might offer the occasional good take, but that's kind of rare. So, good so, takes are yeah, not fo- synonymous. They're not. They're not. Uh, follow me at your own risk is yeah. all I'll say.
0: And you can follow me on Twitter at Star Wars nerd 9 I know it's the name that I just picked. <laughs> um, I'm going to be tweeting this episode out. I'll be tweeting out all the episodes from there as well. Make sure that you go to anchor.com slash infinite dash podcast, I believe is our... Uh, Isn't it anchor.fm? Anchor.fm uh, there you go. slash infinite podcast slash infinite dash podcast. I believe that's where you can find us. Or you can just follow me on Twitter. I'm going to be posting that link pretty much all week long so that you can go there. You can go to any of the podcasting sites that you need from that page. You can subscribe there. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave a like. Anything really helps. Share it with your friends and your family. And maybe they'll enjoy it. But who knows.
1: Uh, Thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening to episode zero last week. Like like we said at the start, the response has been really great. I appreciate it from all of you, whether I know you or not. Uh, It's nice been nice to hear the kind words and i hope you continue listening to us here on our official episode one and everything we do in the future and
0: have a good rest of your week have bye a bye, good
1: everyone. week we'll see you next week and we'll talk about halo